What advice would you give someone thinking about getting into commercial real estate development business? What was the first uh, property then that you uh, developed? As someone who deals with brokers all the time, uh, what advice would you give to brokers who are thinking about getting into the business? Hello, listeners. I'm Chris Pazic, a partner at the Bolus Company, this week's guest host, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of the Bolus Beat. I'd like to introduce this week's guest, my friend and client, Kevin Matson. Kevin is the managing partner at Darigo Capital Advisors. Darigo Capital Advisors is a real estate development and investment group with expertise in financial modeling, investor recruitment, large project planning, regulatory compliance, construction supervision, and property asset management. Kevin entered the field of commercial real estate in 1997, founding a company called Harper's Development, which later became Matson Development. Kevin is the recipient of several professional awards for completed projects, including the Outstanding Historic Preservation Project for the main downtown center in 2010 for Hollowell House for the PUC, and the Notable Project of the Year Award for the Maine Real Estate Developers Association in both 2011 for a medical office building on Enterprise Drive at Commerce Center in Augusta, and in 2018 for the Ballard Center in Augusta. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. It's great yeah. to be here. Yeah. So actually, I remember the first time I ever met you, uh, it was two decades ago, year 2000. I was the development director for the city of Gardner, and a, friend, a mutual friend of ours, a banker named Randy Clark from Gardner Savings, mm -hmm. uh, handed me a phone number and said, call this guy. He's a mover and a shaker. We just finished uh, building the uh, Libby Hill Business Park right off uh, the interstate exit in Gardner. And we were looking for someone to build buildings up there. And uh, he said, give this guy Kevin Matson a call. Uh, I'd never heard of him, <laughs> but I figured it was worth making a call. So, um, Was Libby Hill your first development project? It, it wasn't. Um, I started really cut my teeth with downtown projects smaller buildings in Winthrop and Hollowell and Augusta and places like that. So I mostly bought liquidated assets, things that were foreclosed or the bank had repossessed for some reason or in some level of distress. But Libby Hill was one of my first larger ground up commercial projects, one of my first. And who's, who was in that uh, building? Well, house? it was built initially for Scientific Games Corporation. So they are the uh, contractor to the state of Maine for lottery operations. They were the primary reason that they were there. And I think it was the very first building and tenant in that park in Gardner. Yes. Yeah, as you remember. <laughs> you made me look good. Well, <laughs> it worked out well. What was the first uh, property then that you uh, developed? The very first property I did was, uh, or developed was in Hollowell, and it was on the corner, you'll remember this property, it's on the corner of Winthrop and Main Street. No. Traditional kind of downtown building. It had been hit by a car that took out the corner of the, what used to be Key Bank. It was a Key Bank. And I bought that thing at auction. I was 22, 23 years old. It went to auction. This is after the, I've, I've now been through three recessions. This was the first one. <laughs> this is like the late 90s recession. And that thing, uh, no, excuse me, late 80s recession. <laughs> I wish it was late 90s. And um, I purchased it at auction, rehabbed it, and did my first deal with the state of Maine as a lease deal. Well, actually, let's segue into uh, the talk about the economy. As you know, the past 10 years, we've experienced an incredible economy. As a result of this extended upcycle, many of our viewers have never seen a slowdown. Mm. Uh, but 
you and I have been through. Well, yes. I've been through. I've been through one, uh, and you've been through more than one. Uh, can you give us an example of how bad things can get, and uh, how one of these down cycles may have affected you and the real estate that you own? Oh, sure. No, absolutely. And it can get really bad because your your uh, perspective and your outlook on the situation you don't really even know what's happening until it's long past you. So everybody looks back a year later like, oh, that was the point at which it started. When you're in it, you don't know it. It's sort of like being on the beach in Phuket and all the water goes out. And you're like, oh, look at this. This is remarkable. And then you're under 10 feet of water. You don't know until afterwards. And that's exactly what that was like. A tsunami was fast hitting. And I remember it all happened in a very uh, brief period of time. I think for me, it gave me all of the skills that I needed to for the rest of my life to survive a downturn. I think there are very specific things you need to be aware of. And quite frankly, things can go wrong that you never anticipated. I'll give you one example. We had a bank that we were working with, one of the oldest banks in Maine, that failed during that time. Now, they didn't go under, but they were under uh, federal supervision. And it was during a time when I was doing a project. And so that project suddenly became difficult. It, they couldn't close on financing. Those are the types of what we now call black swans, that kind of you know, term that's used a lot, uh, that you can't know until you've gone through it. You don't expect your bank to fail. You don't expect a partner who hasn't funded all of their commitment to whatever project you're doing says, oh, I'll sign up for X to walk away, leaving a bunch of money in the deal, but just retreating to cash. I've got 10 of these that you would never have expected, and now I expect them all. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm pessimistic. I just know what can happen. For our uh, viewers and listeners right now, just for some context of where we're at today, it's uh, March of 2020. Uh, right now, we're in election year. Where uh, uh, we're in election year, we've got a uh, potential pandemic uh, brewing with the coronavirus. We've got a uh, massive fluctuations in the stock market right now. We're at the end of a or potentially at the end of, uh, of it, the economic cycle uh, where it's been very good. I mean, what are you, where do you think we are right now? Um, well, I think one of the interesting things, and I'm not an economist by any means, but you have record low interest rates and they've been very low for a long time. Fed is engaged in a lot of quantitative easing. So you wonder really what's left to do to be all the things that were done in 2008 that we're able to mollify and make, make more shallow the recession that we were in, which was severe. Now I don't know if those, that toolbox is quite as deep. So that has got me a little bit worried. However, in 08, we had a structural failure. So we had a banking sector failure, a liquidity crisis. It was something that we don't have this time. Now we have a, you know, this is truly a black swan, a, a virus that affects both the consumer side, which is punishing, that's what, three quarters of our economy, and the supply side. So we see it all the way around. Demand will go down, uh, and also it's more difficult to build things, just supply chain problems. So when you're considering purchasing or developing a piece of real estate, uh, when you look, uh, what do you look for uh, that tells you, yes, this is gonna be a good investment? What we do, what we try to do, is we try to, to uh, stress test everything that we do now. So it starts off as an idea. Maybe it's a building that's liquidated, Maybe it's a hospital. Recently in, in Portland, Mercy Hospital was, uh, was put up for sale. Those types of things lead to opportunity. So the question is, there's lots of opportunity. Where do you want to spend your time? Where do you want to spend your money? So you have to have a, a clear understanding of what you're good at 
and what you're not good at. And, you know, 12 years ago, I knew what I was good at. I didn't know nearly as well what I was not good at. Now it's really clear to me. <laughs> so I avoid things that I don't know because I tend to lose money in those things every time. Case in point, I did a large expansion of a Dunkin' Donuts franchise in Cincinnati, Ohio. Not only did I not know Ohio, the real estate market, having spent a lot of time there, I don't really know a lot about quick service restaurants. But people can tend to think that, that your skills are fungible and you can move them from one thing to another, from residential to commercial. Very different applications. So specializing is a good thing and sticking with a formula is a good thing too. When you start to get a little exotic, that's when you lose money. You used to do a lot of uh, work with uh, state and federal government. Yes. And you've now you're kind of getting away from, uh, or you've said that eh, life is short. <laughs> yes, I mean, so it's always um, shorter as you get older. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, what would you say you're 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 really trying to focus on now? Um, you've you've built uh, the government buildings, or or and mm -hmm. uh, developed government buildings. You've done medical office buildings. Is are what would you say you're yeah you're looking at? I think that we are really focused on projects that that pencil out really easily. And what I mean by that is, and you might say, well, of course, everybody would want to do that. But sometimes the pencil has to be sharp, and sometimes you have to really dig deep. So for instance, if you're the Seton Hospital in uh, Waterville, I don't think anybody would have thought that that would become a historic preservation project. But by doing that and going through that process, you add another layer into your capital stack that makes the deal more attractive. So we tend to focus towards uh, and I'm not sure why, maybe it's just because we enjoy difficulty, maybe punishment, but we go towards deals that are, have many moving parts because there are so many eyes that are looking at deals that are, say, in the metropolitan area of Portland. But if you get outside of the, of the known demographic areas and if you focus on projects that appear to be difficult, maybe they're environmentally challenged, title issues, certainly historic, um, you can have an outsized return problem is that they can take years of work. What project is, the, is your favorite or one that you're most proud of? I think of all of the projects that we did, the one that I am most proud of is probably the Central Maine Commerce Center. That was a 311,000 square foot, eight acre, single story building in North Augusta that was completely empty. So it was sold and at the time, this is 2003, so 17 years ago, I looked at that and I just did my square foot calculations. You know, we're paying $10 a square foot. How can you go wrong? But a lot can go wrong. Uh, and turning that building into a basically a state campus, um, they call it State Capital North, and then taking the 200 acres around it and developing those out into medical office and um, different governmental entities, that is, a, that is something I'm very proud of. That's a big, big project now. Oh, yeah. That's... And it easily could have been just torn down. What about what's your least favorite? Oh, well, I, hate to, I hate to pick on mm. one. Um, <laughs> but I would have to say that the most, the one that was most affected by the downturn of the economy was Saco Island. Saco Island had everything that you would look for in a deal. Lots of space and opportunity, a good going in price, and then the recession hit six months after we purchased it. And it was a very difficult time. So that, the, you know, it's not nothing at Saco, it's just more that I, 
I reflect on that, and that was that was not fun. Yeah, but you've had some success. You had some success there, especially well, we with the run. Of, I mean, the run of the mill was uh, is is a uh, yes. is a real shining example. Uh, Building I, four, right? Uh, yeah, oh has yes, always been. Yep. Um, but the uh, across the street uh, on the the, uh, the marina project. Well. I mean, the way that it ended was, up was great. You know, right yeah. now it's very stable. It's incredible. I mean, everything that we set out to do initially is now done. Uh, in some cases with joint venturing, some cases outright sales to get that done. But it wasn't fun. So <laughs> yeah, I think that was yeah. the question. Got it. It was not it. fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as someone who deals with brokers all the time, uh, what advice would you give the brokers who are thinking about getting into the business? Sure. To me, it's a great question. And you used to be a broker, right? A million years ago, I was a, I was a broker, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think, to, to me, a broker, as a developer, we don't hold the assets that we build. I mean, a lot of developers keep it, you know, whatever it is that they're working on, and they build a portfolio. We tend to turn things and then take those gains and try to do something new. And in that kind of uh, um, ecosystem, if you will, brokers are a critical piece because they provide the exit. So a good broker and a good commercial broker is one that can not only bring you deals, but close them. Tenacious, uh, professional, understands your business as well. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. There's some brokers that, I won't say I think this, we'll just, I think some brokers feel to the, to the seller like they're in the way. In other words, they maybe make the deal more complicated than it otherwise would be. And then there are some who just are seamless and they help you and they get you to the closing because that's all that matters, really. What deals do you wish you hadn't sold? Many, many. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, I look back now and 80% of them I wish that I had you know, kept. The deals that have fundamentals that can't be beat. In other words, you're on the corner of Maine and Maine You've got, a, say, a medical office client that has a 20-year lease, and it's very likely after that 20 years they're going to just extend because they're on the corner of Maine and Maine. Maybe there's a traffic light there, so this infrastructure. Those deals never stop producing. I mean, you might have vacancy for a period of time, but they're going to refill because of where they are. I mean, you know the types of locations I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And those, I look back, and uh, you know, I'll give you a specific example because you sold it for us. It was a great transaction. Uh, it was the um, urgent care facility for Maine General in Augusta. So we built that for Maine General. Great client, love working with them. It went perfectly. It was great for them and great for us. We sold it within a year. I wish I hadn't sold that. When you think about your real estate holdings now, what's keeping you up at night? Deals that require a lot of cash. So it, when you're in a, um, as I mentioned earlier, we tend to focus on large, complicated, hairy deals. They're often free in terms of acquisition or nearly free, but the time to get from purchase to execution or even to construction closing is a lot of money out. You know, you're doing everything basically with cash. That's not a, a part of the deal that you can really finance. And as a result of that, that can keep you up because things take longer than you think often, and they often cost more than you think. And when you get to a point in a deal where you're three or four years in, and maybe something goes wrong, those keep you up. Are there any real estate deals that you passed on that you wish you would have purchased? Well, I'm going to go back as a version, if you don't mind, I feel like yeah. a politician taking your question and saying, well, I'm going to answer, but first let me. No, perfect. <laughs> I used to own 
all sorts of buildings in Portland, in the West End, and these were in the 90s and the early aughts, and um, sold them all because, you know, I got a good return. I look back now, it's 10 times what the value was then. I wished I had not sold those. That's painful to even think about, so I appreciate you bringing that up. But, <laughs> um, so there, there are many that I wish that I had, had held on to. Um, so what's the next project for you? What's, uh, what's, what's on the horizon? A couple of things. So right now we're focused on, it's a relatively small project, but uh, downtown Augusta is doing very well. Uh, it's remarkable, the amount of activity that's happening downtown. It seems like every building is under contract or under construction, and that's not unusual. You know, I tend to, I saw the same thing happen in Biddeford, because when we first went to Saco, Biddeford was struggling its downtown, and it is now the place to be. I think it's the youngest community in the state. I mean, it's remarkable what's happened. In Augusta, when you start to see people move back into the downtown and restaurants coming, cultural things like that, I knew that's one place I wanted to be. So we are bought the old Oddfellows Hall. Every downtown seems to have an Oddfellows Hall and a Masonic Hall. We bought the Oddfellows Hall. And um, it's a six-story, 30,000-square-foot downtown building. We've done two dozen of these. And it's, gonna, it's a fun project. It's fun. At the same time, we're working on Seton, the old hospital in Waterville. That's a big one, big, big project. Describe that project. Uh, sure. just, uh, just some yeah. of the uh, basics. Seton is a, uh, when Maine General consolidated and took their Augusta Hospital, which we also purchased and redeveloped, called the Ballard Center, and they took their, which is a hospital that's still running in Waterville, they wanted to consolidate into North Augusta, and they did that. They found the political will, they made the numbers work, and it's remarkable how they pulled that off. But Seton needed to be liquidated. They didn't need it anymore. So we purchased it in 2013. And initially, my idea was some commercial application. But the residential demand in main communities is it's incredible right now. I mean, I'm talking about for rentals. And so it, it's changed the economics viewed on a per square foot basis in terms of yield. How much am I making per square foot per year? A lot of times, even in downtowns and commercial areas, residential will yield more. I'm going to say more often than not. So Seton, to answer your question, 68-unit residential uh, tower. Historic redevelopment. It'll take years and years. I'll be even grayer. Yeah, when I started my first hospital project, my, my hair was like this chair right here. So That's <laughs> what happens. <laughs> uh, but to contrast that, uh, just talk a little bit about the Ballard Center and what you did there, because that's yes. really been a... Uh, success story as well. It, it has. It has. It was a, a very difficult, and I almost said that that was my favorite project because it was taking a 20-acre, quarter-million-square-foot hospital that had run continuously for 108 years, and then suddenly it needs to be used for something else. I think Maine General initially was thinking of maybe having to raise it or do something different with it, and what we were able to do with their help, they were a major partner in this, is reposition that asset in the market uh, as a medical office building. It's got educational tenants, uh, financial services tenants. So it's really become an incredible commercial uh, building. Um, what's interesting about repositioning and redevelopment is that usually those buildings, whatever the building is, a mill, uh, they're usually where they are for a reason. In other words, people are there. You know, either the transportation structures nearby or uh, in the case of Ballard Center, it's in the middle of town. It's an odd location, but it worked out very well. Big project. What do you see as some of Maine's greatest strengths, but also hindrances to uh, 
uh, future growth. It's funny because now I can say this with a different perspective because I'm older. So when I was younger, I only wanted to be in New York City with my friends and you know, I wanted to leave. I'm from Maine originally. My family's from Aroostook County. Um, I'm talking about Northern Aroostook where Holton is Southern Maine. You know, you just don't venture south of Holton. <laughs> um, so I, like all my friends, wanted to try something different. Moved to New York City and did that. And when I came back to Maine, now I'm able, I have children and have a family and there is a quality of life here that we all know, the space, outdoor activities, there's just so much to do and I think that's really the base of why Portland has had this just exponential um, inflationary period of growth. It's remarkable. So I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I don't mind the cold anymore. I could ski. You know, it was unthinkable at one time. Um, so I'm very glad to be here. And I think Maine, what it has to offer, particularly in this time that we're in right now, where there's a you know, pandemic, people are concerned about traveling anywhere. We're a six hours journey from New York City. You know, anybody can travel here. So we are within, I don't know how many tens of millions of people are within six or seven hours of us that could travel. And I think that developments like the Rue Institute in Portland, these are things that are going to, I think, we're gonna see more and more of this as people discover Portland. I'm a little concerned with the infrastructure and Portland's ability to cope with what's about to come. Like I've seen, and I know you have too, cities that were smaller suddenly get much bigger. Indianapolis, I could name 10 of them, where what does Portland do when the first 30, 40 story, story building is planned? It's gonna happen. It's just only a matter of time. So kind of the future of what makes this Maine and makes us want to be here, there's a lot of conversations. And one of the downsides, or not downsides, but challenges of Maine is everybody gets a voice. So you know anybody who's been in a planning board meeting, I've been to 5,000, um, you have to be prepared to, everybody's opinion matters. You gotta listen to it. Uh, you gotta take it into account or you may not be successful. What advice would you give someone thinking about getting into commercial real estate uh, development business? The first thing I would do or I would say is that it's sort of like marriage in that the only way you can be good at it and prepare for it is to do it. So uh, you can't read about being married and then you, you have to actually be in it to understand it. So people need to work in, in the business for a while, either as a broker, which is a great way to get you know, used to the tools that you need to be a developer, or a construction company that's working with the developer, um, or a developer themselves. There's not a lot of straight out developers where that's all that they do. Typically it's people that, or organizations that do other things as well, have other businesses. Um, I mean, there's really only a couple dozen actual full scale just developers that are main based. Um, so my advice would be to do that. I mean, get obviously get experience working in a firm. I know, and I know you know, many examples of people who are very smart, maybe they're medical professionals, I don't know, and they try to do real estate development work and it's a catastrophe because it really does involve so many different disciplines that you have to master. You do have to know a little bit about construction or you're gonna get hurt. You have to know about entitlements and codes and the permitting process. And you can hire out a lot of this to be done, but to be an effective decision maker, you really need to have a kind of under the skin feeling for this type of stuff. Can I get that much for rent? Is this market going to be able to absorb this amount of commercial space? So for instance, for the Commerce Center, 
when that was brought online, everyone said the same thing. There's no way Augusta's going to absorb 300,000 square feet. Obviously, it did. We heard the same thing in Portland about hotels. No way that we're going to have a fifth hotel. How many do we have now? 50? It seems like it. So my advice, again, getting into it, is it's a very dangerous occupation. Um, people who jump out of airplanes have backup parachutes for a reason, and you need to be prepared for things to go wrong because they will, and when you least expect it. A little bit different twist on the No, 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 no. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you ever received? The best piece of advice, of advice I ever received, I worked for many years for Donald Sussman, who was a Mainer for a long time here, and he was, he was a great guy to work for. And he had great advice, and because it came in little pieces, like little tidbits. And he once told me that you start with partners, but you don't end with partners. In other words, everybody starts off and they'll have two or three partners, a buddy, maybe somebody's an architect, maybe somebody's a builder. But as time goes on, you realize you essentially want to do those on your own. Yeah. So his, his exact quote was, partners are for dancing. You start with partners, you don't end with partners. Yeah. So I thought that was good advice. Um, the other uh, piece of advice is that you need to be patient. You know, people react to things quickly. It's important, as we were talking about earlier, to have a little bit of patience. So I think this wraps up our, uh, our podcast for today. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about the Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.bolus.com. And you can find us at the Bolus Company on Facebook and LinkedIn and at the Bolus Co. on Instagram and Twitter. Kevin, thank you, thank you for coming today. Well, really thank you for it. asking me to be here. It's wonderful to talk about this stuff. <laughs>